in a world where some of the greatest motion pictures ever made are reaching their 30th anniversaries. One group of friends gathered together to pay tribute to these films. Pat Cantagallo. Dennis Matouche. Jeff Mazuka. Bo Wumbold. Each week we take a look back at one movie that is reaching that 30-year milestone. Whether you love seeing these films in the theater or enjoying them for the first time at home, we invite you to join us this year as we travel back in time to 1986. I am your host, John Reed, and you're listening to the 30-something Movie Podcast. In this episode, no one can hear you scream. That's right. It's episode number 67, and we are talking about Aliens. Um, this one, we're put this one out a day early. It's going to come out on April 26th. Normally, we're every Wednesday. Um, but April 26th is Alien Day, official Alien Day. So we're going to be throwing this one out there on Tuesday. Um, very, very quickly, before we get going, we just want to remind everybody that we spoil the events of the movies we talk about, and even some movies that we didn't plan to talk about, because it might just come up in conversation. So just be aware, we do spoil the plots of movies, and we may tell you things like uh, Gwyneth Paltrow's head is in the box, the JR getting shot was all a dream, Superman 4 sucks. Darth Vader is Luke's father. What? Sorry, man, I... Should have said spoiler. Alert. You gotta say spoiler alert. Actually, that's what my kids do. They actually they spoil. They say spoiler alert after the fact, and I've had to train them. Like, no, you say that's it awesome. before. You do. You say spoiler alert, and then you say what it is you're gonna say. That's awesome. So it takes time. Uh, if you have not already, please go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, we would love a five star review, um, but just. We want to know what you think, so uh, go over over to iTunes and leave us a review. If you want to get in touch with us, uh, head over to our website, 30podcast, that's 30podcast.com, and we've got several different ways that you can get in touch with us there, as well as suggesting some movies uh, for us to cover. We do have a form there you can fill out if you've got a movie that we haven't talked about yet, and maybe it's a not-as-well-known movie from 86, uh, let us know, and we will take a look at your suggestions there. So I do have with me tonight uh, my co-hosts, Dennis Matouche. Hello. Is that a French name? Uh, German and Czech. German and Czech. Okay. So is it? Would you say it's a Czech mix? <laughs> yeah. Ah, you see. Okay. Um, I also have with me Jeff Mazuka, who is currently in Mazuka Manor. Congratulations again, by the way. Hey, thanks for the welcome. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, this other guy that's usually here, um, Patrick Canigallo. Hey. Which I at some point I'm just going to have queued up the song uh, "It's Pat." To introduce yeah. you, so that's good, man. Okay. All right. Well, we've got some new movie news, uh, and then we've got some social media updates. We had a lot of stuff going on on Twitter just in the last few days or so. Um, but getting into the new movie news, we are going to to kind of help this move along a little quicker. We're going to set a timer on this one, uh, so we're going to talk about each of these for five minutes or less, and then when the timer goes off, we're moving on to the next thing. So, uh, first things first, let me start the timer and. Uh, when this comes out, will be Alien Day. So if anybody has not heard about Alien Day yet, events are happening at the Alamo Drafthouse Theaters. So if you have one of those near you, go check it out. And some other affiliates, too. So while we don't have any Alamo Drafthouse Theaters near us, apparently there are some other theaters that are doing some stuff in conjunction with uh, Alamo Drafthouse. So if you want to go see this but don't have an Alamo Drafthouse near you, you can go check it out. Um, most of them, I heard, are running at least... 
um, an Alien and Aliens marathon, some of them running Alien 1 through 4 marathons, and maybe Prometheus, if they feel like it. But other stuff, too, I guess there's some other announcements coming out um, on Alien Day about new toys, new like other contests you can win. I think there's a trivia contest on Twitter. So if you are an Alien aficionado, go check it out. Um, it is happening, well, it's happening when this episode comes out, so it's happening today. Um, but it is official Alien Day. And they apparently got... The, they decided on Alien Day, and seems a bit of a stretch, but if you're an Alien fan, I guess you could have figured it out. It's uh, because the name of the planet in Aliens is LV-426, so they decided that April 26 would be Alien Day. That's like... It's not quite as, you know, on the nose as May the 4th be with you, but it is what it is. I hear Donald Trump doesn't like Alien Day. No, I think he's building a wall. He's going to build a giant wall around anywhere that's showing Alien Day stuff. He'll be totally against it. I'm keeping my mouth shut because there's no way we're going to stay within five minutes if we're going that direction. With that. I'm just saying. You don't want to get on the, the 30-something polit uh, political podcast? Oh, man, I would love to, but I just don't know if I can do it within five minutes. There you go. Well, we can. We, it could be like, since it's 30-something, it could be like 30 minutes for each candidate. Could you or, stay or, to 30 or... minutes? Spoiler alert, Pat's going to hate them all. Spoiler alert, Pat's a libertarian. There we go. <laughs> How'd you guess? How'd Pat's you guess? voting for Trump. Spoiler alert. <laughs> you guys know me so well. <laughs> all right. So um, I did not too much else to say about the Alien Day stuff. Um, I know that there were a couple of other places here in Chicago that were doing uh, Alien Day marathons and things like that. Um, the only problem is I think the closest one to me or to us was in downtown Chicago, like a couple of blocks away from Wrigley Field, and it was going to be the day of a Cubs game. So no thank you, not fighting the traffic or the L trains or any of that to go see a movie. I'll just stay here at home and watch it on Blu-ray. Yep, yep. But there's good stuff going on. So if you want to go check it out, go check it out. All right. Well, that was under five minutes, so that's good. Uh, next one. Since we're talking about James Cameron and a James Cameron movie, it was announced a little while back that James Cameron is making some sequels to Avatar, and they went ahead and announced that he is making not only Avatar 2 for 2018, he is also planning Avatar 3 for 2020 and Avatar 4 for 2022. Does the world need three Avatar sequels right in a row? Um, no, it doesn't, but Hollywood gives us a lot of things we don't need. That's well, true. I mean, I guess, you know, it depends on uh, where they're going to go with the story. See, I, I, I'll be pretty interested because to me, the original Avatar is just basically Dances with Wolves uh, in that different world. Yeah. Um, in my opinion, it's like very similar storyline. Uh, so I'd be curious to see where they go with the story. And, and I think the next one will determine whether or not there's a three or, you know, another one needed after that. Avatar 2 will be based on Last of the Mohicans. Yeah, which we just saw this weekend. Oh, did you? Again, again, yeah, with the kids. I will find you. I will find you. I will find you. It's a, it's a good movie. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I, to me, I, I liked Avatar. I thought it was a little long. Um, and to me, I think it was okay. I mean, it didn't, you know, didn't rock my world. And it just seemed like it was the, the big thing to me with Avatar was all the 3D stuff. And I think because it came in at the time when the 3D was just starting to get big. And I remember that being kind of the draw. I remember being at school and I hadn't, I never saw it in the theater. Um, but I remember teachers 
talking about it left and right. Like people that weren't even usually moviegoers, they said, "Oh, we went to, this weekend. We went to go see Avatar. We saw it in 3D. It was amazing." And I remember people like trying to convince me to go see it, and I was just like, eh, "Whatever." Hmm. Not that interested. So I don't know. It, it's an interesting movie. It's a good movie. I like the actors that are in it, but I don't know that, especially having it been what now ten years now since the first Avatar. Yeah, it's probably about yeah. almost nine or ten years. Yeah. Um, then we're gonna start doing all these sequels. Well, that's, maybe that's kind of another question too. Do movies need to plan multiple sequels out? I mean, if you're Star Wars, mm-hmm. yes. But what do you mean plan them out? Like predict that there's going to be two, three, already say it. Well, right, right. Because, I mean, you've got movies for the most part now. You have your first movie and you wait to see if it does well. And if it's going to do well, then you say, yes, two is a go. Hmm. But it's James Cameron and he, I guess, can kind of do whatever he wants. Yeah. And I would have thought maybe 10 years later you say, okay, we're going to make an Avatar 2 in 2018. And if you like it and it does well, then we'll plan for three and then we'll plan for four. It just seems strange to me that they're saying, yes, we are a go for two, three, and four. Well, I think ultimately that can all be determined if it flops at the uh, box office, then they're gonna, somebody's going to pull the plug on two, three, four. But I think right. that's part of the sell of it, too, is to say, like, hey, this next movie is going to be so big that there's going to be a three and a four or whatever, or two, three, four. So I think it's part of the convince people that this is kind of like a Star Wars or kind of like, you know, like this yeah. is something you got to go see. I think it could be partial marketing, too. Like we got this, these plans in the works, and it's going to be big, and it's going to keep coming. So jump on board. I think that that sometimes is big. You know, if you just say there's going to be a number two, you know, I don't know. I think that that helps with the marketing end of it. Yeah. Mm. Well, it's got to coincide with the new theme park as well. Mm-hmm. Avatar Land. Disney's working on a whole Avatar area. I think at their Animal Kingdom property in Orlando. Oh, are they? I hadn't heard that. Yeah. Yes. So then that's also, you know, they're they're trying to just they're going to take it and milk it for what they can, and you create the buzz, and then there's the, the expectancy for the uh, third and fourth. Couldn't they just take all the old sets from the Honey I Shrunk the Kids Playland and use that? I'm sure that's part of what they'll do. Yeah. Whole lot of repurposing. Yeah. All right. Well, last thing I got on here, unless we got anything else that we can think of for new movie news, is the Magnificent Trailer, uh, Magnificent Trailer, Magnificent Seven Trailer. It'll be up to you if it's a Magnificent Trailer or not. I still have not had a chance to see it, but I know a couple of you guys had. Jeff and Pat, I think you guys have. Dennis, did you see it? Uh, I did not. Okay. All right. So what do we think about this? I know we've talked the last few weeks. We've had some some talk about remakes and sequels and things like that, so... um, just very quick background for anybody who doesn't know, Magnificent Seven was a kind of a remake of uh, the Seven Samurai, done as a Western. And so now they are doing a remake of Magnificent Seven with, um, i trying to remember who all's in it. It's Chris Pratt. You have Denzel Washington yes. as the lead. Yeah. As Joel Brenner's character? Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, and it's directed by Antoine Fuqua. Who did um, the boxing movie just recently? Uh, Wait, did, South, didn't, South, he, didn't he do Training Day with Denzel? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Training Day. He also did Southpaw. Pretty sure that one as well. So, so based on the trailer, and um, why don't we do this? I'll we'll we'll pause for a second, and I will uh, I'll put the audio the trailer audio in here, 
and then um, you know, so folks can listen to it, and then we'll come on back here uh, in just a couple minutes, and we will talk a little bit about it. Sir, I have a proposition. We're decent people being driven from our homes. Slaughtered in cold blood. So you seek revenge? I seek righteousness. But I'll take revenge. Took a job looking for some men to join me. Is it difficult? Impossible. How many you got so far? You and me? Quite a batch of strays. This is not going to end well. Dang it, I'm good. How many men, you say? So Jeff and Pat, you guys saw the trailer already. So what did you think of it? What are All your right, thoughts yeah. on what are your thoughts on the remake? Well, so I, I'm I'm a big fan of the 1960 movie, and I'm I'm more right now. I'm more worried than I am excited for it. The trailer seems to show a lot that the movie is it's it's still a western but it's walking a fine line between western and modern and you know the there are things going on in the trailer that i uh i know i'm having a hard time believing are needed in the in the movie i asked pat earlier today is it a lot lot more action sequences a lot more explosions Okay. You know, some gunfights going on. I think almost for the sake of being able to have those things happen, as opposed to are they really necessary for the story? Because in the 1960 version, when the gunfights broke out, it was because that's that was the last straw. That's what was needed to happen. Um, and, uh, you know, just I don't get a sense of, a sense of that in watching the trailer for this new one. Yeah. So along those lines, Pat, you and I kind of talked a little bit earlier today and I, again, I didn't have a chance to see the trailer. Is this a little bit like I mentioned to you kind of watching the trailers of the Lone Ranger when they were remaking the Lone Ranger, that one was coming out and it was army hammer and Johnny Depp. And I remember looking at that trailer and thinking that's ridiculous. That doesn't feel anything like Lone Ranger. It's just explosions. It's action for the sake of action. What was your take on it? Yeah, I I don't know because I I kind of steered clear of the Lone Ranger. I, I mean, I get what you're well, saying. Everybody did. And my reaction. What was that? Everybody did. 
Yeah. Nobody wants to see And my reaction that. was kind of, and that's how Jeff presented it. Like, watch the trailer, tell me what you think, and and then he kind of basically said what he just said now. And when I watched the trailer, my reaction was just, okay, it looks like a lot of violence. Not that I mind violence. I mean, I love violence, love it. But the problem is, it's like, then why call this the Magnificent Seven? And this gets into our talk that we've had with, you know, when we when you guys discussed Bivis Dodge, and then we kind of bled into it last week when we discussed the remake of Star Trek, the modern Star Treks. And it's like, the Magnificent Seven was a wonderful story. It had an ensemble cast. I mean, you go down the line, and it wasn't like, you know, one or two strong actors. I'm, and Jeff, you can help me out with this, but I mean, it had Bronson, it had McQueen, it had Yul Brenner, um, Eli Wallach was the bad guy. Uh, yeah. It had, I mean, Colburn was in it. Yeah, James Colburn. Yeah, and then uh, Robert Vaughn was in it, and then so you know you had all these top level actors. When I saw this trailer, all I thought was, man, I can't wait to see Denzel Washington in a movie. But is this the Magnificent Seven? I didn't even get a glimpse of who the bad guy was, and. So you don't get that ensemble cast feel. And all I got was a lot of explosions, a lot of action, a lot of violence. That's not showing me anything kind of unique. So I'm kind of setting myself up for, okay, this is just going to be, this could be an action movie set in modern day New York. This could be an action movie set in the 25th century in on Mars. It, it's just, it looks like a big kind of shoot 'em up And that, that's kind of my problem with, with the whole remake thing and why I'm kind of suspect watching this. Um, and this is what I said to you today, um, uh, John, was, you know, that was my big knock on the on the Star Trek um, Into Darkness, is the Khan character was kind of a weak bad guy, and the movie just, you know, had nothing but just a lot of action. That's what you guys said with the Bivis Dodge thing, you know, there was a lot of superheroes beating the snot out of each other, but there wasn't that Batman's philosophy versus Superman's philosophy all going against a really strong Lex Luthor. It was just kind of all, everything was just kind of thrown in there just so we could have a, a backdrop for more action. And that's kind of why, I mean, yeah, this looks cool, but I, I, I it's just, I, I hope there's more than just violence. Not that I mind violence, because Django Unchained was an awesome movie, but it was unique. It was, it had great acting. It had a great bad guy. It, you know, yeah, and it wasn't just violence just for violence sake. So, cool. yeah, and, and I agree with, with what Pat said too, like just about the villain not being identifiable, at least as of right now. Um, yeah. You know, you, you get a sense of the threat, and I'm wondering if this is, if this is going to become a thing because it's a, a young female going to the man for protection, for help. I wonder if uh, anyone's going to be throwing issues about that. Um, but we don't know what the threat is or, or what's taking over the town where she lives. And the trailer doesn't really do anything to explain other than show us you know, a couple guys walking around ominously and shooting people and whatever. So I'm, I'm reserving my excitement for this movie. Um, and so, you know, I, I hear a little bit more about it or, you know, and, and you know, it's funny. It. And it's funny, Jeff. You know, that was something I was thinking about too, with the female going to the men for help, and not. 
Not for the not for the reason that that, that yeah, it's you just were like Temple of to, Doom all over. But again. honestly, when I saw that, my first thought was, "That's not Magnificent Seven. That's Unforgiven. That's what happened wow. in Unforgiven. Yeah. In Magnificent that's Seven, true. it wasn't just one of the town's female go. It was like like the townspeople sent someone, and that set up the whole. Well, okay, spoiler alert, but that set up the whole, you know at the end where the townspeople kind of learned to fend for themselves. And then, yeah. you know, and correct me if I'm wrong, but tried to get rid of them, but then they came back and, you know, there was a whole, I'm trying to speak generally because I know some folks maybe haven't seen the original. So, so basically this is a remake of Three Amigos. Well, yeah. That and, but Three Amigos was kind of a, a remake of Mag 7. Well, right. Right. So I guess, I don't know. I mean, I guess there's possibility, but it's funny, Jeff, that you mentioned that. But not not for what you were saying that there was some like well here's men rescuing women thing but just was like well that that wasn't what the original I don't know so like I said yeah. there's it it well, probably will be a fun movie and there will be lots of bullets but I I don't know if I'm like wow this is gonna be great I I just looks like every other modern movie throw a bunch of violence take out all the things that gives a movie heart or interest or creativity and sell tickets. I don't know. Yeah, because I mean, in, in the original movie too, the the women were in hiding. Yeah, the women and children were in hiding. So you know, it was it, like you said, someone from the town was either, you know, it, it's not explained, but someone from the town was charged with the responsibility of going to find, um, going to find help, and they found it in the in that character of Chris because he saw Chris drive the stagecoach, you know, mm -hmm. up the hill to the, uh, to the cemetery, despite the threats of violence against it. Oh, what a great scene that was. I know. Oh, it's a brilliant scene. Yeah. I, I hope I'm surprised. I hope maybe, I hope they just showed yeah. me, you know, I want to be surprised. Okay. Now, do you think you're going to go see that at the theater though? Like I, I did, I, I broke my role because, because I went and saw the trailer just now while you guys were talking. I just pulled the trailer up on the side uh, because once you say Magnificent Seven uh, remake, my odds of me going to see that in the theater diminished incredibly. Um, so I was like, oh, I'll watch the trailer for that one. Because normally, again, remember my rule is if I know I'm going to see a movie in a theater, if I'm 100% sure, I'm not watching trailers. Yeah. If I don't know if I am, I'll watch a trailer. And when I saw that, I was thinking, yeah, I'm probably not going to end up seeing what they're describing in a trailer, Denzel or no Denzel. Um, just because I... You know, that was probably one of my dad's favorite movies. So mm -hmm. it's got that kind of definitely a uh, sentimental um, value to it. It was one of my favorite Westerns as a kid growing up. I think, you know, the good, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and some of the outlaw, Josie Wales, and some of the Clint Eastwood ones too. But like, I think of that one, I just remember that. You know, like you said, the scene going up to the cemetery and James Colburn with the knife on the side and just all that. I mean, there's, I, I, don't, I don't know how you top that, why you even try to remake that. Call it something else. Don't have it be Magnificent Seven, but to try and remake it, yeah. I, I'm not. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll probably maybe I'll watch it on DVD, but I doubt that I'll actually. I, there's a chance I may not see that movie anymore. But it is possible to do a solid remake because look at the Coen Brothers remake of True Grit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was a which I saw on uh, DVD. That's a fantastic remake of a western. Yeah, which I saw on DVD. And I I feel as though in that movie. They didn't try to introduce an idea or a concept that wouldn't have been readily available in that time period, which I just feel like 
some of what is shown in the trailer for Mag 7 is uh, maybe a little bit more than what could be relied upon at the at whatever time period they're using because they're going more for the action and, and the the excitement and the, the explosions and, and what have you. Mm -hmm. here's, what I, here's what I would say if you're going to make a remake. This is what I would prefer, okay? If you're ma remaking a movie just that's really good. It. What was that? Just don't do it. Yeah, just <laughs> shut up. No, here's, here's, my, here's, here's my thing. If you're going to do a remake, think of it like, think of it like a musical, right? You, you guys are doing Susical right now, okay? Yes. Let's say like 20 years down the road, you decide to do Susical again. You're going to pull out the script and hand it out to a new bunch of actors and actresses. You're not going to sit there and say, okay, well, let's, you know, we're 20 years in the future, so let's have flying cars now and Susical or something like that. You're mm -hmm. basically going to do hand out the script. And when you go see Les Miserables, whether you see it 10 years from now, 10 years ago, a decade, whatever, it's the same script. And that's what I'd like to see personally with movies. If you're going to remake The Magnificent Seven, okay, that's fine. Pull the script out and just do the same thing, but bring in new actors. Let the acting talent, let, like, like you're making a fine sauce for you know, spaghetti, you know, let the acting talent come through the script that's already there and is already awesome. Then once you've got that, if you want to tweak some things or change some things, okay. But you don't need to like completely, do you guys get what I'm saying with that? Like if you're going to do a remake, just do it again with new actors. Yeah, stay true to the original. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, if anybody is interested in seeing this when it does come out, it is coming out September 23rd, 2016, so just a little bit later this year. Um, but that one is Magnificent Seven. And I didn't realize, so now I'm kind of curious, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio is in this too. And I really, I've always yeah. liked everything Vincent D'Onofrio has been in. So I don't know, again, like, I don't know that I'll see this in theaters, but... When's it coming out on DVD? Once it comes on DVD, yeah. I'll, I'll go watch it, but I don't know. When's it coming out on DVD? Oh, when is it coming out on DVD? I, if it's coming out in September in the theaters, then probably Christmas time at the earliest, maybe. All righty. Well, that's when I'll see it. Christmas time, January. Well, I'm going to keep checking out trailers. I'm going to keep my fingers crossed that I'm horribly wrong and that, you know, it's an awesome movie. Oh, so. man. And you know what? We, we could take a minute and talk about that Rogue One trailer. Dennis, what'd you think of that? Um, unfortunately, just for the sake of class, I did see it once. Oh, did you? Yeah, I knew Un it. I unfortunately, knew it. for the I'm sake out. of class. <laughs> so you're blaming the kids. I'm out, Jerry. You, be <laughs> you are no longer the master of your I, I trailer domain. Some kids asked to play it when we were doing movie trailer uh -huh. uh, in class. And, yeah. And, and I, I explained my rule, and I said, you know what? I could, I'll, I'll watch it once. And part of the reason I watched it once is because of uh, who was it? Because of. Uh, because you really wanted to because see you, that. Yeah. Oh, who was I talking don't, to? It was don't blame the kids. And the, and the uh, I was talking to one of you two, and I started asking about, you know, the the okay, like I always said, like what about if there was a movie? I always wondered how did Princess Leia get the plans to the Death Star? Like what's the story? Like how that happened? And I started thinking, is this where that movie might go? And then whoever it was either John or Jeff reacted in a way that made it to me sound like, hmm. Like the reaction was like maybe I'm going maybe that's what the trailer somewhat pointed towards. Okay, so you're going to blame us instead of your own personal weakness. To watch that trailer to see if I was correct. You're blaming us instead of your own personal weakness here. I think it was John. And the kids. Yeah, probably. I think it was. It's probably my fault. In the hallway, bus hallway, and I was right here outside my room, and I was saying, 
Here's what I would, whenever I was a kid, I always used to think like, hey, who, who gave Princess Leia? She didn't just walk in there on her own. So what, what mission or who got the plans to the Death Star? And I'm thinking that's where that movie was headed. And whoever was, who saw the trailer started going like, yeah, you know, like that. And, and making me think that maybe I was on or close to that. So it was, and uh, there was a little curiosity to see the trailer. After it was, it was Steve. 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 His name is Bothan Steve. He gave her the plans for the Death Star. There you go. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert. Yeah, so I'm sorry. Spoiler alert. Both and Steve gave away the plans to the Death Star. Mm-hmm. All righty. Um, okay, well, so that's, that's going to do it for our new movie news. Um, we've got a whole bunch of stuff off of Twitter this time. Uh, posted up a few things about Alien, and there's a lot, of, a lot of stuff going on on Twitter with Alien Day, so a lot of people responded back to this. Um, I put up a poll that uh, went for a few days and asked people which is their favorite Alien movie. Then I also tweeted out and I asked people uh, which one is your favorite design of the Alien, because um, they are definitely different from one Alien, from Alien, Aliens, and Alien Three, and I guess Alien Four, but I didn't include that one. Um, and then let's see, was there anything else that I asked? I just asked people if they had any general feedback about the movies. So um, I've got from James Anderson. He's at Fox for Not on Twitter. Uh, He said, I know it's an unpopular opinion, but I now prefer Alien 3 over Aliens, but not by much. I just like the morbid, desolate feel to 3. And then I asked him, I said, well, that's, I said, I actually love Alien 3 also. Uh, I would like to hear more about why you enjoy Alien 3. So he wrote back some more and he said, I guess because it's a film that you can appreciate more as an adult, more so than Aliens. It's a jarring movie the minute the opening credits roll, which is the best intro the series has done. And it's more one-on-one movie between Ripley and the alien. It's literally her facing her demons and coming to peace with it, literally forcing to confront it once she knows... Okay, hold on just a second. Has everybody here seen Alien 3? Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Once she knows that there is a queen... Hmm? I haven't seen it, but go ahead. You have not seen it? No. But I, I don't dig on the alien franchise the way you do so oh, okay. I won't feel like it's ruined if you say anything oh okay all right uh literally literally forcing her to confront her demons once she realizes there is a queen inside of her uh she's suddenly on a much more even playing field with the creature in this movie uh and then that same person uh james anderson replied to the question who's your favorite xenomorph the the different types of aliens and his response was the alien 3 alien followed closely by the first Alien from the first movie. Uh, let's see. Some other feedback we got was um, from Retro Rewind Podcast. Um, these guys also do something kind of similar to what we do, but they kind of do a, um, a little bit different. They're not following like year by year like we are. Um, but they said Aliens is filled with iconic scenes and mostly quotable lines, mostly. Uh, they hated that Hicks and Newt were killed off in the third movie. And then they also replied to our Twitter poll saying that Aliens, hands down, was their favorite so that Bishop can do his knife trick. Um, Let's see. Then in the Twitter poll, when I asked people which one is your favorite, Alien from 1979, Aliens from 1986, Alien 3 from 92, and Alien Resurrection from 97, uh, Alien Resurrection got zero votes. Uh, Alien 3 got 0%. Aliens from 86 got uh, 67% of the vote, and Alien from 1979 got 33% of the vote. And the last thing I've got here, and this was kind of the coolest thing, and I'm still working on seeing if she would be willing to talk to me for just a few minutes for us to put on the podcast at some point, is 
I was uh, able to kind of get in touch with. She either she responded back to something, or I I tweeted something out. And she replied to it. Uh, Carrie Hen, the actress who played Newt in the movie Aliens, um, tweeted back to us. Hers is at uh, Real Carrie Hen on Twitter, and I asked her because um, I knew that she was a teacher. Now, Aliens is the only movie she's ever done, and I knew that. As she had grown up, she became a teacher. So I was just curious, and I asked her what grade she teaches and if any of the kids she teaches ever see the movie and if they ever know that she's the one that's in the movie. She said that she teaches fourth grade. She says, I teach fourth grade the age I was when I filmed Aliens. Uh, yes, they do know about the movie, and a few have even watched it. Um, I'm often quietly asked by my students to sign a DVD for the birthday of a dad or family member who's a fan. <laughs> that's, that's pretty cool. I would totally have been the kid that would ask my teacher to sign something if I knew they had been in the movie. <laughs> so, Dennis, had our scenes not been cut from The Dark Knight, I would totally be asking for my autograph. Yep. And maybe yours. That's true. Yeah. Uh, we have each other's autographs for the whole um, the thing that we're on on TV about the, the macaroni place. That's right, yeah. You know, so. John, I have your autograph from that as well. That's true, too. But well, Especially just, if I'm wearing that shirt, I know as people notice me a lot more. Mm -hmm. So, you know, keep those. It might be worth something someday. I probably have to die first, but, you know, hold on to them. We, we, we can make that happen. Okay. All right. All right. So let's get on into it. Uh, this time around, I've, we've been talking about it already, but this time around we are looking at Aliens. It came out July 18th, 1986. It is rated R. Obviously, for some violence, gore, some language, uh, some frightening or intense scenes and situations. Uh, the director for this one is James Cameron. He did The Terminator, The Abyss, Terminator 2, True Lies, Titanic, and Avatar. Producer on this one was Gail Ann Hurd, uh, who actually married James Cameron while they were making this movie. Uh, she produced the Terminator movies, the Alien movies, Armageddon, and the TV show The Walking Dead. The writers for this one, James Cameron did story and screenplay, and he also did story screenplay for Terminator Abyss, Terminator 2, True Lies, Titanic, and Avatar. And uh, David, I think it's David Giller or Geiler, uh, did the uh, writing for this one as well, and he also wrote The Money Pit, um, and then Alien 3. He was kind of the producer or executive producer on all of the Alien and Prometheus movies kind of from this point on. Uh, Walter Hill was also one of the writers. He also wrote 48 Hours, Red Heat, and Alien 3. Uh, the original Alien was designed by H.R. Giger, uh, who died in 2014. He designed the original Alien. He also designed the Alien from the movie Species, and he was a conceptual artist for Poltergeist 2, which we will get to. Music was done by James Horner. I feel like this has been like the month of James Horner. Uh, he died in 2015. He did the Star Trek, some of the Star Trek movies, Commando, The Rocketeer, Titanic, Braveheart. The budget for this one was $18 million. The box office was $183.3 million. A little bit of coin. A little bit of coin. So, starring in this one, Sigourney Weaver played Ellen Ripley. She was in Alien 1 through 4, uh, Ghostbusters 1 and 2, Gorillas in the Mist, Galaxy Quest, Avatar, and Chappie. Uh, Carrie Henn played Rebecca Newt Jordan. Aliens was the only movie that she's been in. Uh, although she was going to be in a fan film, um, which somebody was going to make, and it was going to say, they were going to claim that Alien 3 and 4 were just a dream, and that it was taking place 14 years after the events of Aliens. Uh, she was going to be in it, and one of the other actors, Rico Ross, uh, who plays Private Frost, they were both going to be in this fan film, and 
Um, apparently, Fox shut it down pretty quickly, and they said, no, you're not making that. Michael Bean played Corporal Dwayne Hicks. He was in The Terminator, The Abyss, and Tombstone. Why, Johnny, you look like somebody just walked over your grave. Um, Paul Reiser uh, played Carter Burke. He was in Beverly Hills Cop 1 and 2, My Two Dads, and Mad About You. Lance Henriksen played the android Bishop. He was in Close Encounters of the Third Kind, The Terminator, Alien 3, Super Mario Brothers, and the TV show Millennium. Bill Paxton played Private Hudson. He was in Stripes, The Terminator, Weird Science, Commando, Predator 2, Tombstone, Apollo 13, Edge of Tomorrow. William Hope was Lieutenant Gorman. He was in Hellraiser 2, Triple uh, X, and was... So here's the, the funny thing. He's in Aliens, Hellraiser 2, Triple X, and many voices in the Thomas and Friends cartoon. So I guess that shows his range. Uh, Jeanette Goldstein was Private Vasquez. Um, this was the biggest shock to me. I did not realize that she was all these other parts because she looks totally different in each of the movies she's been in. Uh, she was in Lethal Weapon 2. She was in Terminator 2. She was in Star Trek Generations, and she was in Titanic. Hmm. Al Matthews played Char Sergeant Apone. He was in Superman 3, uh, The Fifth Element, and Tomorrow Never Dies. Mark Rolston played Private Drake. He was in Lethal Weapon 2, Robocop 2, The Shawshank Redemption, and Rush Hour. Rico Ross, who played Private Frost, was in Spies Like Us, Mission Impossible, and Wishmaster. The critics gave this one a 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. The audience gave it a 94%. Uh, Siskel and Ebert, Ebert, I've got a quote and I've got his rating. I've got a quote and a rating for each one of them. Ebert said, The movie is so intense that it creates a problem for me as a reviewer. Do I praise its craftsmanship, or do I tell you it left me really feeling wrung out and unhappy? It has been a week since I saw it, so the emotions have faded a little, leaving me with an appreciation of the movie's technical qualities. But when I walked out of the theater, there were knots in my stomach from the film's roller coaster ride of violence. Three and a half stars. Siskel said, Count me out of the fan club for this one. To me, Aliens is one extremely violent, protracted attack on the senses, as surviving space explorer Sigourney Weaver again confronts the spiny, slithering creatures who killed her buddies in the original film. Two stars. CinemaScore, who does kind of the exit polling for people as they leave the theater to see how much they liked it, uh, they gave this one an A, which I think is maybe the highest score for the Alien movies. They didn't do one for Alien, but of the other Alien movies, this one gets the highest score. This one had a bunch of awards. It won Oscars for Best Effects, uh, Sound Effects Editing, and Best Visual Effects. Uh, it was nominated for Best Actress in a Leading Role, Best Art Direction, uh, Set Direction, Best Sound, Best Film Editing, and Best Original Score. It was also nominated for some Golden Globes, some BAFTA Awards, Science Fiction and Fantasy Awards. Um, it won some Saturn Awards, so... It was definitely an award-winning film, had uh, nominated for a ton of stuff, too, and uh, also nominated for some DVD awards. So I guess some, had some very good commentary and other features on the DVDs. So this time around, after the events of Ridley Scott's Alien, Ellen Ripley is found in her ship, still cryogenically frozen, but alive. When she is returned to Earth, she discovers that 57 years have passed. Her daughter has grown up and passed away. She is blamed for the destruction of the freighter Nostromo, then, when the Whalen yutani Corporation loses contact with its colony on LV-426, the alien planet, Ripley goes back to face her nightmares, but this time she's got a team of colonial, colonial marines to back her up. But will it be enough? Just tell me one thing, Burke. You're going out there to destroy them, right? Not to study. 
Not to bring back, but to wipe them out. That's the plan. All right, people, on the ready line. Yeah. Item E! Yeah. Yeah. Nothing back here. Look, I'm telling you, there's something moving in. It ain't us. Get them out of there. So a couple things about this movie. Um, I've got a lot of stuff to talk about with this one, so I'm just going to do a quick little bit of background, just a, a handful of things here. Um, apparently, and this was one of my favorite things I found out, the knife trick with Bishop, when he and how many times, I can't even tell you how many times I've tried doing that, just not at the same speed. Um, but the whole knife trick that he does, where he, he does the knife in between his fingers on the ship at the beginning, uh, that was not in the original script. Apparently, the actors kind of all talked about including it. They just didn't tell Bill Paxton they were going to include it and that they were going to include his hand in it. So him freaking out in that scene is actually him freaking out because he didn't know they were going to do that. Uh, the scenes of the alien nest, when the Marines first go in and they're in kind of where the alien nest is and that's where they first get attacked, um, those were all filmed at a place called the Acton Power Plant near London, uh, which was an kind of an abandoned power plant, but it had all of these walkways and catwalks and everything else. It was set up perfectly. Um, was actually used for Axis Chemicals, uh, where Joker, is, well, where Jack Napier is turned into Joker um, in Batman in 1989 movie. Uh, Bill Paxton's lines in this movie were almost entirely improvised. He kind of just came up with everything as he went along. Uh, this one was kind of cool. Al Matthews, the guy who played Sergeant A. Pone, uh, was the only actor with actual military training. So he was a Marine during Vietnam, and he ended up training the other actors on kind of how to act and uh, there were, they said there were times during the filming that he kind of went into uh, military mode and, and like yelled at people and started barking orders at people and stuff like that. So uh, he was actually the only one with real military training. Uh, the photo of Ripley's elderly daughter, um, which I think you only see this if you've seen the special edition of it, uh, but the photo of Ripley's daughter uh, at age 66 or whatever it was when she died, um, is actually a photo of Sigourney Weaver's real-life mother. Uh, James Horner, the uh, composer for this one, apparently he had, and Pat, you and I were talking about this, apparently he had about three weeks to work on the soundtrack for Aliens because they kept, like he was trying to work on it, and then they would change scenes, so he had to rewrite it completely, and apparently it's very, very stressful between 
him and uh, James Cameron making this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, originally, Hicks was played by a different actor, um, and he can be seen in one scene of the movie. Uh, when the Marines first enter the alien nest, you can see the backs of all the Marines, but it cuts away just as the person playing Hicks is about to turn around. It was a different actor. They just It wasn't working out right, um, and he was also, that actor was also arrested for possession of drugs while they were in London, and so they fired him, and they hired Michael Bean to come in and do the rest of the movie as Hicks. Um, and then the last thing I've got here is there was a lot of tension. If you listen to any behind-the-scenes stuff or making-of stuff, the crew working on this movie, the actors were fine with him, but the crew working on this movie could not stand James Cameron, so there were several times that people were worried this wasn't going to get made, the crew was going to go on strike. Apparently, there were several different things, and, and a few you know, higher-up people were fired at different times. Apparently, a lot of this crew worked with Ridley Scott on the original Alien, and they didn't really like James Cameron. He was a different style of director. They didn't think that he should be making the sequel to this. I guess they were just fiercely loyal to Ridley Scott, and so they kind of gave him a hard time from the get-go um, to try to prove to them that he was a good director. Uh, the Terminator had not come out yet while they were making this movie, but he wanted to show them. He's like, I am a good director. I want to show you what I've been able to do, and I want to show you kind of what I want the mood of this movie to be. And he tried to give them like free showings of Terminator before the movie was released in theaters, and the crew like refused to go. They're like, no, we're not gonna watch your movie. Um, apparently, there were a lot of American versus British problems as well. James Cameron not very happy with the fact that the British stop every few hours to have tea and that they have very long lunches in pubs. So, not a big fan of of the way the British crew was doing things, and I guess that brought a lot of tension to the set. So that's what I've got for the background. There's a ton of background. If anybody ever wants to go see any of like the making of stuff and you don't have one of the Blu-rays or DVDs, go on to YouTube. On YouTube, there's actually a three and a half hour making of documentary for Aliens. So if you like Aliens and you don't mind watching a making of thing that's you know twice as long as the movie, then go on over to YouTube, check it out. Um, I think if you just search Aliens 1986 making of, it'll be one of the first things that pops up. But they've got a ton of stuff on how they... Made the costumes, made the sets, uh, you know, created the weapons, sound design, all that stuff. So, all right, let's start it off with uh, what were, and you can kind of blend these together because they kind of go together. What were some of your favorite scenes, favorite quotes of this one? Because this one's a very quotable movie. Hmm. Dennis, you want to start with that one off? Actually, you need time to think. Quotes right away, huh? Wow, okay. Yeah. Uh, somebody else go right now. I know the, there's the ending one. Yeah, well, game over, man. All right, Pat, what do you got? I know you're you're just waiting. Like a day on the farm. That's <laughs> <laughs> good. That was good. Anything that anything that uh, Hicks says, or Hudson. Hudson. He's Hicks, sir. I'm Hudson. That's awesome. Hudson, look into my eye. That's right. That's right. Hey, Vasquez, you ever been mistaken for a man? No. No, have you? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. That's right. She said she heard alien. She thought they meant illegal alien and signed up. I liked it when I liked it when uh, the aliens. She snuck the clip for her smart gun in, and the aliens uh, start attacking. And all of a sudden, she just unloads with that thing and just starts screaming, "Let's rock!" And yeah. then it's just this machine gun just hosing things down. I always thought that was pretty cool. I was a pretty big Vasquez fan growing up. I had no idea who the actress was and like all this stuff. I'm like looking it up like, oh, that was her. That was her. But yeah, 
me and and my crew, we were pretty big Vasquez fans after seeing this movie. I mean, holy smokes, that was awesome. Yeah. Who is your? I guess we can kind of add this in here too. So, like, favorite scenes, favorite quotes. Um, who's your favorite Marine out of the group? Hicks. Hicks. Yeah. That one's yours. I think it's always like Hicks. Anybody else? <laughs> Jeff is Jeff. A... I don't. I don't remember which one was which. Okay. You don't now, Jeff. You're you're not as you're you're not quite as big a fan as as we are with some of this the the alien movies. Is that how long ago have you seen this one? Like, was this the first time watching it? Uh, this might have been the first time I've actually seen this one. Okay. Um, I mean, I know I've seen Alien a number of times, but I don't know if I'd ever seen uh, the sequel. Okay. I uh, I had picked it up from someone that was getting rid of it, the collector's edition. Yeah. So I've owned it for a long time. I just never got around to watching it. But you know, again, like I said, you know, this this isn't necessarily my go-to movie. You know, I have nothing against the Alien franchise, just. I never got as into it as uh, as other people have. Yeah. So now I'm going to ask we everybody actually... else. I'm going to ask everybody else this later, but I'll ask you now since you brought it up. Um, which which one do you prefer? Do you prefer Alien or Aliens? Um, I think I I I, I prefer Alien, the first one. Okay. I just I like the the beginnings of it. Okay. And you know, I I appreciated what they did with Aliens with with the sequel, and that uh, you know it, it took some prodding to get Sigourney Weaver on board with it, which I thought was great that she was kind of holding out, and making sure you know she didn't want to just do a sequel for the sake of a sequel. And it wasn't until she read the script that she realized that you no, know, James Cameron was kind of onto something, and he had a, a decent story to tell. Um, but I, I think I like the first one better. Okay. How old were you when you saw this again? That's one of the questions we usually ask. I'm just curious. Did you guys see this as kids, or did you see? How old were you? I saw. Okay? Yeah, man. I saw this. <laughs> this is like I never. I I didn't get to see R-rated movies like growing up. Like I mean, that was thing. And I remember this was like the first R-rated movie I saw. I was at my buddy's house. For another one of those infamous sleepovers that Jeff used to uh, bust me for in some of the early podcasts. So I want to say I must have been like 12 or 13 when I saw this movie. Right. And it was just like, oh my, I mean, it was like mind blowing. I didn't eat for a week. I mean, I, I could not take food for a week because I was so grossed out. I mean, and even now, like I didn't make any snacks when I watched this movie because it still gets me. And so, yeah, I, I saw this movie pretty young, but. Well, that, that's my thing with Pat with this because I, I mean, I see Jeff obviously isn't the biggest fan of this. Um, but and Pat seems like he's pretty pretty excited about it and, and and has seen, you know, and you don't like the horror movies. Is this a horror movie? No, I think the first one was a horror movie. I think this one was an action movie. Okay, All right. It's just a bug hunt, sir. <laughs> okay, so it's just a different perspective. Just uh, John, do you see it as a scary sort of horror movie, or do you see this as an action movie? Not this one. This one's action. Um... And the first one's horror? And I, I think of the first one as being horror, suspense, and this one's more action. 
Hmm. Yeah. And that's why, and, and I'll, we'll, I'll go to more in depth on this later, but that's why for me, I have a hard time. If you were to ask me, and I'm, I am going to ask all of us later, um, you know, of the movies, of the alien movies we've seen, and Jeff, I've kind of already asked you, but of the alien movies we've seen, um, which one's your favorite? And I don't know that I can do that because I like Alien, Aliens, and Alien 3 all for very different reasons. To me, they're very different movies. And I don't, I don't know that I could say which of those I like any more than the others because each one of those... I would be totally willing to sit down and rewatch. No, okay. I was just saying, I showed this to my kids. Uh, the youngest at the time was 12, Autumn was 14, and we saw it during Halloween time. And um, I was looking for a horror, you know, like a decent, scary movie, fun one. And, and I was like, why was that rated R? But then, I, you know, I guess I know why it's rated R, but I didn't think of it as like, you know, I don't know. You just don't think of it as a rated R movie. And I saw that when I was a kid, uh, probably, let's see. Well, that one I was probably about 14 or 15 when I saw it because that's when it came out. The other one I saw, 79. I mean, I probably saw that when I was 11 years old <laughs> or 11 or 12, probably 11 for the first one. And I remember the first one being just darker. You don't see the creature as much, and it's just a scarier. It is more suspenseful. The second one was definitely more action, uh, probably my favorite of all of them. I think I liked the cast. I liked every character in there, and I think, again, the key to a good movie like that is when you like the characters – you don't want to see them die. Right. I think that's, you have like, you know, they each are developed very well throughout the, the plot. Um, Ash and uh, like Paul Reiser's character even. And I like all those characters and, uh, and, and it works that way. If those are just seven people getting killed by an alien, it doesn't mean as much. So I think they did a nice job of, of picking the right cast and characters for that. Yeah, this one I, I probably saw for the first time when I was about, you know, probably about 12 or 13. This was one of the first movies that I was not shown by my uncle. Um, one of the first R-rated movies not shown to me by my uncle, but it was probably one of the, it was probably like a sleepover at a friend's house. Cause I remember I was living in England and over there they have, Pat, I think I was talking to you about this. They just have a ridiculous alien following over there. I don't know if it's cause the movies were made over there or what, but um, I mean, they have more so than we do over here. Alien comic books, alien books. Um, they had, when I lived over there, um, when I was about 12 or 13, they had this, uh, this they called it Alien War Experience. And it was this thing where it was at the, the basement of this mall called the Trocadero in London uh, near Piccadilly Square, uh, Piccadilly Circus. And you would go down in there and the whole thing was decorated to be like a research lab, like what you'd see in one of these movies. And you were being escorted around this research lab by this scientist. And they were explaining to you that they had these alien creatures that they had captured and they were studying them. And then all of a sudden, the Marine kind of busts into the room as you and your group are being taken on this tour. He busts in and he says, you know, there's been, you know, something's happened. And then alarms start going off and the lights start flickering and going out. And so the rest of your time is you're trying to escape from this research facility and they must have planted actors um, in the tour group that we had because every once in a while an alien would jump out from the wall and drag somebody, you know, into a corridor and then all the lights would go black and you'd hear people screaming. And, you know, so it's kind of the kind of thing Pat would love. Um, <laughs> but I remember going to that when I was like 12 or 13 and absolutely loving it, like wishing that it was a little bit cheaper so I could go through again. But I mean, there was and it, it made you feel like you were in one of the movies there was a part where they crammed our entire group into an elevator. 
And so then you, you weren't really in an elevator, but they'd simulated it to make it feel like it was going up and down. And so you get into this elevator as a group and you're all packed in together. Well, then an alien pops down from the ceiling and starts trying to grab for people and reaching for people. And the, the Marine has one of the, uh, like the pulse rifle things and he's firing at the alien and it just, it made you feel like you were in the movie. So I think that coupled with, I had a friend who was a huge alien fan and um, went over to his house. And this is probably where I saw it for the first time. We're having a sleepover over there and his parents, he was a, he was a pretty good artist. His parents had let him draw a life-size alien and predator on his bedroom wall in ink. And like, he was a good artist, so it looked really good. And I remember thinking, okay, first of all, that's pretty cool. My parents had never let me do that. Um, second of all, I, I'm watching all these. He had the movies up to that point. Um, I'm not sure Alien 3. Alien 3, I think, was just coming out. So it was kind of a big deal over there. Uh, in 92, yeah. So if it was just coming out, it probably came out over there in like late 92, 93. Um, so it was a big deal. And so with a new movie coming out, kind of like, I don't know, it, kind of like the the new Star Wars coming out this last year. Over there, I think it was a much bigger deal than it might have even been here just because those movies were made over there um, and they just have a much bigger fan following for them. Uh, but that would have been the first time I saw that. I can't remember. I feel like I watched Alien with my dad and I don't remember whether I saw that one first or whether I saw this one first. But I do know, I, I'm pretty certain maybe that I saw Aliens first and it was at that sleepover with my friend. But yeah, no, I, so I was probably about 12 or 13 when I saw both of these. My biggest childhood memory of it is the, uh, the Viewmasters. Remember the Viewmaster things? Mm -hmm. Yeah. With the little list, there was one for aliens, and that was like the one everybody was like, oh my God, you got to get that one and look in the, you know, and you'd be like in the dark in your room or whatever at night, and you'd get towards the light and you just shine and have the alien thing. It was just a scary one because it had the big head of the, you know, it was all the different stuff. And it was just the dark view master that, you know, dare, dare you look at that before you went to bed, you know, when oh, you were nice. younger. No, I never had the view. I only had the, I had the uh, He-Man and the Land Before Time view master. Okay. <laughs> so no, not aliens. But this was, and I remember too, that they had, over in England, they had a lot more to do with like um, some of the alien comic books. And I think that was one of the first times I ever read a comic book that didn't have superheroes in it. And I picked one up and I was reading it and it was this, the art was very, it, just like the movies, the art was very dark and it was very realistic. And that kind of blew my mind as a kid. I was like, this is a, wait, they have comic books that don't have superheroes in them? And they're dark and creepy and, and I'm 13 and at 13, aren't you supposed to love dark and creepy things? So I kind of latched onto it right away and just absolutely loved all the alien stuff. Cool. But yeah, so I don't know. I don't know if I can say which one of these is my favorite movie because I do love, I love Alien because I think it's very, I love the mood of Alien. It's very artistic. I've always loved, and I don't know what that says about me, but I've always loved H.R. Giger's, um, you know, his artwork, the original design of the aliens. Have you ever gone and looked at any of the the books or websites that have like his art on them and kind of where that design came from? I haven't. It's creepy, messed up stuff. So if you want to sleep well at night, don't look at it. Okay. But it's like, it, it, did you have you guys seen the movie Species? Yes. No. Okay. Mm. The Species Alien is even. It's a little. It's a little closer to the type of stuff he would normally draw. And so they kind of to make the Alien for Alien, they kind of took that because it was a. It's a mixture of. 
it's a lot of a mixture of like organic and industrial stuff and a lot of pipes that look like intestines and it's all very weird stuff. Um, but the species creature was actually one of the first images that he was kind of well known for. And for Alien, they took that and they said, okay, we want something like that, but we want it to look more alien. Like we want it to look less like a person and more like some alien creature. Um, and so they were going to bring him back for to do some of the design for this Alien movie, Aliens. Um, but James Cameron kind of said, no, we're going to go in a different direction. It's, it's going to be more action-oriented. We're going to change how the alien looks so that the suit can move a little bit better for um, you know, the alien moving around and not just hiding behind corners. And So I don't know. I don't know that I can say which one is my favorite because I love this one as an action movie. This is probably one of my favorite action movies of all time. Um, but I also love Alien 3, and I love the moodiness of Alien 3. I love kind of the darkness of it. And Dennis, like you were saying, the movie does a good job if it's got characters that you don't want to die. And I think all of the Alien movies do that for me. Even when you get to Alien 3 and it's on the prison planet and these are really not likable guys, they still find a way to make them kind of likable guys. Yeah. But no, I love the I love the Marines in this one, and that's... I, I have trouble narrowing it down to when I ask you guys favorite scenes, I have trouble narrowing it down to favorite scenes because it's pretty much everything. Like I love all the scenes with the Marines. I love Hudson and all his stuff. Um, you know, we used to play around with when you, when we figured out how you could change the alert sounds on your computer back in the day, we used to change. I think I went in and changed on my dad's uh, Dell PC Every time he clicked on something and an error box would pop up, I think I made the computer say, game over, man, game over. Awesome. Which, of course, you know, my dad was absolutely thrilled that that happened every time. <laughs> and just Bishop. I just remember being as a kid and being moved by Bishop. And just like him sat, you know, like him at the end, and he's just sitting there like half of him. Yeah. <laughs> and he's still, and he, saved, he pretty much saves the day. Um. Yeah, I just, I just always remember that. Like, I, like that's the scene. I'll still watch that ending. Like, and you, TV is coming out. I'll stop what I'm doing. If it's that anywhere near that part, I'm watching that. Yeah, and I will finish the movie out all the way up to the line. You know, or there's the whole line: "Get away from uh, her." You, yeah. You know, mm -hmm. It always sounds a little cheesy now that I hear it. That line, but it still is just Sigourney Weaver. So oh, yeah. it was Sigourney Weaver, and the delivery, I mean, was yeah. awesome. She yeah. nailed. Yeah, she feels it, and it's just a written line that I don't know, again, if I wrote that, that I would yeah. keep it in, but I'm glad that they did. I don't know if that makes sense. Like, yeah. I would have raised it, because I would have thought, like, this just sounds bad. Like, this yeah. is not right. Like, it's, no one could pull that off, but somehow she makes it work. Yeah. yeah, and she just, that whole role, she was awesome in. One of my favorite parts of this movie was uh, that fight at the end when she's in the power loader. Yeah. Yeah. Not the queen. Yeah. That thing was awesome. I love yeah. that. I, I used to have the toys. I used to have a toy of the queen, and I wanted a toy of Ripley in the power loader, and I never got one. But, I mean, that just... not. It's not a kid's movie, but, like, that whole fight, just, you know, we want you got to make toys of that because yeah. it's just, like, it's almost like a Godzilla movie. Yeah. It's yeah. like Pacific Rim before there was Pacific Rim. No kidding. The drop sh I always liked the dropship, man. That thing was pretty sweet. Yeah. I always wanted I, I wanted a dropship for my own to like fly around. Yeah, until I watched some of the behind the scenes stuff, I didn't realize just how much and, and, and now it's totally clicked for me and everything I see 
you know, matches up with it. Um, just how much they were trying to match the style of the Vietnam War with all of the, like the Marines and their whole getup and the way they cut the kind of like their attitude towards everything and the way the dropship looked and that it was all supposed to be very kind of reminiscent of the the Vietnam War, which would have made sense because in '86 that would have still been probably the most recent thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Now I've read somewhere that I don't know where I read. I remember reading something about aliens and the whole series and the the, the contribution to just like the 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 argument about technology and things like that. But um, does this rank up there with like a? I always think of like there's a certain feel to it that I can only compare to say a blend between 2001: Space Odyssey, the desolateness, the isolated. And then, you know, that being out there in space with whatever, and you're by yourself or with a few people, but by yourself, there's a certain sense of aloneness. And then the other one would be Blade Runner. Like somehow I feel like a little bit of a combination of a Blade Runner 2001 just feel to both alien films. And then you throw in the action piece, but just the, the, the mood of it is, it makes me think of those two movies for some reason. I kept thinking about John Carpenter's The Thing. Hmm. Yeah. Not watching this. And just one by one, you know, the, the group is dwindling down until it's it's finally, you know, it's, you know, just good versus evil. And you're, you're just hoping for the best. Yeah. yeah I, um, that I and, that I, and the I'm connection to... But I was saying, I was thinking more of the angle of the, the environment, I guess. Because both of those are futuristic, where I think the thing wasn't necessarily futuristic, was it? It was just Alaska, cold, desolate, but like that that almost bleak view of the future. And like you start thinking of, like, what if that was your job on these ships? And that was, you know, almost like a, is pretty depressing, I think, in a way. There's a certain depressing feel to both of those movies that, I don't know, like this lone, is this what we we, we eventually come to with all the technology is just seems so empty and cold in space. Well, and I think, I think there have been a few um, connections that were, have been made between like Blade Runner and, and aliens. Um, And not just because, I mean, Blade Runner was also done by Ridley Scott. So you've got Blade Runner and alien made by the same person. Um, But I think there have been several times where, and I, I think some people tried to make, um, connections at one point to say, well, what if, what if these are all actually in the same universe? Like, what if the Whalen Utani Corporation of Alien is one of the corporations? Because it sounds very Asian. Um, and what if it's one of the corporations? When you look at these big corporations and these huge, massive cities in Blade Runner, what if it's one of those corporations that's, you know, in that world too? So, what if this is like? supposed to be in the same universe and I've, I've heard people try to make that argument before and even like with Terminator as well because they mention um, Bishop mentions that the original android from Alien was one of the old Hyperdyne systems models and mm-hmm. I guess in the original script James Cameron had it as Cyberdyne system models so it was he was going to use the same name from Terminator as the company that built the Terminators mm-hmm but yeah, definitely. I think Blade Runner, and I, I actually started to watch Blade Runner, um, you know, just little bits and pieces of it, um, you know, whenever I had a chance to, about a week ago. I still haven't finished it yet because I've just been watching little bits at a time. But um, yeah, I mean, very, very similar. Blade Runner, very similar 
kind of feel and you know, the way people the way people interact with each other and um even to this one too but i think it's much closer because obviously ridley scott did both of them did alien and blade runner so yeah i think they've all got a very similar feel to them this one i think is just so different from the other ones because of the the big military action part of it yeah yeah, yeah definitely so I was listening to uh, I was listening to some of the making of stuff with this, and um, Sergeant Apone is just that guy's hilarious. The guy that plays him, Al Matthews, he was a Marine in Vietnam, and I guess he was the first African American uh, to be promoted to sergeant um, and during the Vietnam War. And the funny thing was, he said that he brought his he kind of brought his training to being in this movie that, you know, some of the actors were kind of goofing around even with the fake guns and they would have like their fingers on the trigger all the time. And, and he was, he was talking in this making of thing and he said, you know, uh, I don't care if it's a fake gun or not. If you got your finger on the trigger, I'm going to take, if you point that thing anywhere near me, I'm going to take it. I'm going to shove it down your throat. Like you don't, when you're going into combat, you don't put your finger on the trigger. Your finger is off the trigger until you know it's time to start shooting. If you have, if you have a finger on the trigger and you point that thing anywhere near me, I'm shoving it down your throat. Cause if America taught me one thing, it's that I don't mess around with people pointing guns at me. And then I come to find out the guy, you know, he hasn't been in too many movies lately, but he sings gospel music and writes cookbooks. <laughs> so like that's that's what perfect. I, I look at Sergeant first... A. Pone, and now I can think of him as being a gospel singer and a cookbook writer. Yeah, I know. And what a diverse. Yeah, that's cool. I want the I want the Sergeant A. Pone cooking show. Yeah, no kidding, man. No kidding. The um... all right. The following ingredients are going into this omelet. Look into my eye when I tell you. Yeah, I wanted to see. It's funny, you know, you're, sp you're speaking about the guns. I guess they painted the guns a certain color because the movie was shot largely with blue, like a, a blue lens or a blue filter or something like that. So for the guns to show up like gray or black or whatever they were, they had to be painted like something that if you saw it in regular light, it would look really different, look really weird. Apparently that was the alien suits too. Like they don't look, they're not black when you see them in person. Like, okay. I guess they're almost more of a kind of almost like a greenish tannish color. Okay. But because of the lighting and because they, you know, we're going to have them mostly hiding in the shadows and all that, um, you know, they painted them that way so that they would look a certain way in the shadows and with the lighting. But they said, yeah, if you if you see one of these in a museum somewhere or in, or in a prop department somewhere, um, they don't look anything like what you'd expect them to look in the movie. They're colored totally different than what you would think. Um, which I guess that was kind of James Cameron's thing was he's like, I, this is not the first movie. It's not this alien creature skulking around in the darkness. I want the creepiness of these to be how they move. Like, I don't want it to be that they're hidden. I want you to actually see them, but I want you to see them move in such unnatural ways that you get creeped out by it. Mm -hmm. And so they painted the suits a little bit differently. They made the suits so that they were more mobile and, uh, they got a bunch of dancers and acrobats, um, to be the aliens and that, so then you could have them like bouncing around hallways and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Just an awesome movie. It's just an awesome movie. Now they've, I don't know if you guys have watched any of the crossover stuff or Jeff, I know you, you collect some comic books as well. And, um, they have done over the years, they've done some kind of crazy crossovers with, uh, the alien stuff. And, um, 
I don't know if you guys have, have seen some of those. Um, I know that the Aliens vs. Predator movies didn't really turn out so well. Yeah. Not so good. The Alien vs. Predator comic book was great. I remember reading that back in the day when it first came out. Um, Jeff, did you ever read that one? No, I'd, I'd, I'd heard about it, and that, uh, and I knew, then I had heard that they were going to try to do a movie version of that same story. I like the idea of the story. Yeah. But the feedback that I heard about the movie just really turned me off wanting to see it. Oh, yeah. No, the movies are horrible. Yeah, I, I guess there have been two of them, I think. Two Alien vs. Predator. Yeah, I think there, was, there was Alien vs. Predator and Alien vs. Predator Requiem. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, and I never even... So that kind of tells you, if I'm such a big Alien and Predator fan, and I oh, never yeah. saw the second one, no, the, the first one was pretty bad. Which is a shame, because the comic books they did were, were kind of cool. Um, yeah. So they've done... I have a, a quick little list of some of them here. They did Alien vs. Predator, which is pretty good, and then they've had, over the years, they've had several different kind of meetups with the aliens and the predators. Um, they've had Alien vs. Predator vs. Terminator, which was kind of interesting. Uh, they've yeah. had Aliens vs. Superman. They've had Aliens vs. Batman. They've had Judge Dredd vs. Aliens. Um... And then they've had some other ones that are not aliens. They've had like Batman versus Predator. That was a really good one. Uh, just recently, recently they had Archie versus Predator. I don't know how that one works, but didn't buy that there one. Haven't, haven't looked at it, but it sounds a little weird. But uh, yeah, so they've had some kind of weird, crazy crossovers. I'm just kind of cool. waiting for them to do maybe like a um, Freddy versus Jason versus Alien versus Predator. Yeah. yeah. Did you know in, in uh, the movie Predator 2, when uh, Danny Glover's going through the ship, he finds yes. an alien head in the trophy case? I, yes. My friends and I, when we watched Predator 2, we went nuts okay. when we saw that. You what? My friends and I, when we saw Predator 2, we went crazy when we saw that. We're like, oh my god, it's an alien head. There's yep. an alien head on the wall. Yeah, yeah we went crazy. one of we my favorite crazy. Predator movies, I think, right there at number two. That's your favorite? I you know it's one of, I like that one a lot for some reason I don't know better than Predator. I watched it. I like the first one too, but I'm just okay. saying I like that second one. I like Danny Glover. I like the the whole that it was on U.S. soil. It was just you know the whole. I, I I like that one a lot. Like that it was in a city as opposed to the jungle. Yeah, and then just the whole like revealing of the ship and the like the hunting of heads and makes you think about hunters and stuff and what we do now and you know how is that any different and yeah he's just hunting hunting animals. So one of my last questions for us here is, um, you know, and, and Jeff, you can tell us from the perspective of, you know, you haven't seen Alien 3 or 4, and I'm going to kind of, you know, I'll, I'll give away a few things for Alien 3, but um, supposedly there is Alien 5 coming out, and supposedly it is going to be directed by Neil Blomkamp, the same guy who did uh, District 9, Elysium, um, and Chappie. Anybody else hearing that? What was it? I don't know. I was hearing some weird audio stuff. Yeah, I'm not yeah. sure what that was. I was hearing it too. Okay. Um, so anyway, Alien 5 uh, is going to be coming out, directed by Neil Blomkamp, the guy that did District 9, Elysium, Chappie. Um, and that's been kind of rumored for a while now that he would be doing the fifth Alien movie. Uh, Ridley Scott had did Prometheus, and he's also doing Prometheus 2 which are kind of prequels to Alien, the first one. Um, and so actually Neil Blomkamp's movie got moved back 
because Ridley Scott wanted to do Prometheus 2. Um, so I guess one of my questions would be, with Alien 5 coming out, the rumor is that Sigourney Weaver will be back. The other rumor is that uh, Hicks will be back, and then possibly somebody playing Newt will be back, mm. um, which then cool. would have to undo 3 and 4 because 3 and 4... Um, you know, three at the beginning of three. And that's a lot of people didn't like three for that reason was at the beginning of three, because the other actors didn't come back, they killed uh, Hicks and Newt at the beginning of that one. And then alien four is supposed to take place like 200 years in the future, way after Ripley has died. And it's a clone of Ripley. And so, so what uh, alien four, have you ever seen alien four? Um, I thought I did. Okay. Alien 4 was the one, it takes a place 200 years in the future, and it's a clone of Ripley, and you find out that she is um, like a half-human, half-alien clone. I thought I saw that one, but I don't remember that one as well. Had Ron Perlman, Sigour, uh, well, Sigourney Weaver, uh, Ron Perlman, and um, uh, Winona Ryder. Oh, yeah, I think I've seen that Did one. Did you see that one? It's, I don't remember that one as well. That's weird. Yeah. I went to go that see rank that. On number, where does that rank on your list of your top aliens? Yeah, it's at the end. Is it like the bottom? Yeah, it's at the bottom. Yeah, that's probably why I can't remember that much. It's me. it's okay. It's weird. Like, the very end of the movie, she's fighting some weird, like, half-human, half-alien thing. Um, and I, it was a weird movie. Yeah, it's... I probably feel about that one, and I still, I'll still watch it, but I kind of feel that one the same way I feel about uh, Superman 4. That's Resurrection, isn't it? Yeah, Alien Resurrection. All right, yeah, I've seen it, yeah. Yeah. It was just kind of a weird one. It didn't seem to fit with the rest of them. It didn't, you know, it was more of a, it was more of like a forgettable sci-fi action movie. Mm -hmm. There were some good parts in it. There was some kind of cool stuff. with a, Some of the, it was one of the first times they did, uh, except for in Alien 3, it was some of the first times they did some CGI stuff with the aliens. So they had them moving in certain ways that there, that were even more alien than the movies were able to do before, but yeah, it was just kind of a strange movie. Hmm. So if they do, if they end up making this alien five and it's made by Neil Blomkamp, um, would it make sense if they're going back and saying that alien three and four never happened? Um, would you want to see, do you think it would make sense to see Sigourney Weaver in this movie again, or should they move on to somebody else? Sigourney Weaver, man. Keeper. Yeah, yeah I, I like I like her character in the first two at least. So I think you know, gauging by what you say they do with her character in three and four, um, if they can find a good way to bring her her back the franchise, I think that would be helpful. Right. Now, does that is that the same as people who complain that um apparently John and Sarah Connor are the only people in the entire world who can fight the Terminators, and is Ellen Ripley the only person in the whole universe that can fight the aliens? The only one we want to see fight the aliens. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, that's how it goes. So if they make another Terminator movie, would you would you want to see the Connor family again, or do you want to see somebody else? Because that's one of the complaints people have had. They're like, let's move on. Let's do just something else. There's other people that can face off against the aliens. There's other people that can face off against the Terminators. Some people have complained that they're getting a little tired, that they always, if they're going to do a remake, they always seem to have to bring back the same characters. Does that bother you? 
or would you rather see that if it's done the right way? If it's done the right way, I don't see why you, you why, why you can't bring back the characters that people like. I mean, look at Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. They brought back a lot of. They, they used that actually as a platform to not only bring back characters that people like, but to springboard the story forward with and introduce a batch of new characters for people to get to know. I think that's a great use of older characters. Yeah, I I think that it. The question is, what what's the draw? Do you like? I mean, are, are the is the alien the draw? If the alien is the draw, um, then it shouldn't matter what they're fighting, and let's get a new cast of characters in there. But if it isn't the alien, it's the draw, but it's rather the humans around it that we've all just been, you know, gone to great pains to saying we care about the Marines. We don't want to see them get killed. We cared about the crew in the first alien. We didn't want to see them get killed. We cared about the prisoners on the prison planet. We didn't, you know, if it's more about the people, then I think you need to bring her back because she was a major, you know, she was a major part of that um, audience empathy that, that carried the movie forward. So, you know, just to say, well, we want to see aliens kind of like destroy things. I, you know, I don't know. Well, I think I, your history and your your connection with those movies is tied to both, like like Pat said, the characters and the aliens. And to move forward to go to a different thing, you can do that, but it's a risk to pull off, and it could fail. You know, like I think you are you going to come up with a cast of new characters that we actually care about? That's a risk. They got it right the other times, they might not get it right this time, and it could be a huge flop and disappointment. If they get it right, it's a pleasant surprise. Um, I think, I for some reason, like Predators, anybody ever see the Predators, the new one that had Adrian Brody in it? Yeah. Uh, okay. I actually like Adrian Brody, and I actually like him in that movie, and I kind of like that movie more than I thought I was going to like it. Yeah, I did too. So I like in that case, case, that one worked, but then the other ones, you know, like Alien versus Predator... It's a good example of like, I didn't really see those. I don't think I remember watching those or seeing more than a part of them. And it's because it was alien versus predator. Was it really about characters? I don't know. You know, is, is the human element that important? So is it important to have somebody like Ripley to kind of connect your, your connection to the characters and introduce new characters along with it that hopefully you care about? Or do you take a complete gamble and go with all new characters and no Ripley? Yeah, I mean, and yeah, because... You know, think about think about the Star Trek thing that we were talking about last week. I mean, we were reviewing that movie, that Star Trek movie last week, and those characters had been around, I don't know, what, 20, 30 years, and they had like three seasons on television, an animated series, six movies, before you tried to like spread beyond and introduce like the next generation and new cast, and it was successful. I think if you start jumping ship too quick, then, you know, I don't know. I think, I think the the fans, you know, like the alien fans. Hey, it's more aliens, more better. That's awesome. But unless you have a connection with the people in there, I, you know, I, I don't know. I think my big question too is: at what point do you stop remaking these movies and adding sequels? Right. When when do you just let it go and let it be a great three or a great four and do you just try to push the franchise because you have something to say, or do you push the franchise because you want to sell tickets and make money? 
I don't think Hollywood knows how to stop. I mean, look what they're look what they're doing with Spider Man. Mm-hmm. You know the, the 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 constant reboots and reimaginings and the remakes and you know they. So here's here's a question because I've thought of that before too. How does that like? How do you compare that with then James Bond? Would you have just said when Sean Connery was done? Well, those were a good few movies. He's done. But then you'd lose out on all the other Bond movies you got after that. That you know, some hit or miss, but a lot of them pretty good. So mm-hmm. you know, I, it does can you take something like Aliens, or can you take something like, well, now Star Wars, or you know, any of these others, and say, sure, yeah, we can find all kinds of different situations for these aliens yeah. to show up in, and well you could but then it goes back to who's the main draw in in the bond movie james bond is the main draw in this i don't know are they only the the main draw or uh, is ripley and kind of like who she she interacts with is she the main draw so I mean, unless you show me like the new fan. Unless you, know, you show me like the new fan. The, the new, I'm sorry, the new cast. The new, I'm sorry, the new cast. But I, I think James Bond is in. James is Bond is in. Is in Dennis, a, I think you're echoing the, again. It's, a, it's, a, it's an exception to the general it's rule. An exception to the general rule. Fans so many generations. So many generations. One that I, I mean, think of any. I mean, think of any fan that long. Fan that long. I don't think there is. I, I can't. I've been trying to think of one. I can't think of anything else that has spanned that many decades. That character and all the different stories and all the different plots and twists and missions you could be on. I think the life of a of a um, you know the the kind of spy guy like that is is um, is there's more possibilities for different stories that are similar, but you could fill in different people in there. And if it works, and look at yeah, there were some really weak years, like even the Timothy Dalton and some of those. I mean. Then they got new bonds. It wasn't working, so they went to a different bond. And when they get a good bond, they try to hold on and, and, and get good stories out of it. But um, I don't know. I just think that's a totally different exception to the rule that there's not too many things that could – I think, in fact, it points out that it doesn't work with most things. You know, it, it, that's a rare thing that you've had that many decades of bond movies. Like, name something else that has really gone that long and has had that many, you know – not even sequels, but just editions of the of the show, of the movie that has been successful. I don't think there really is any other than Bond. It's, you know, I think of yeah, Bond and Bond and Star Trek for a while, but but I guess Star Trek. I mean, you've had Star Trek since the yeah, I, in, in one form or another, I guess. Yeah, but how many of that have there been there? Now uh, between the TV shows, the movies, the the movies just. Oh, just the movies? Uh, what have there yeah. been? 16? Uh, 14? Oh, there's 14. Okay. I think, well, have there been? 7, 8, 9, 10. No, maybe 12. Okay. 12 movies. Yeah, well, and the 13th one coming out this year. So. And again, I think some of those like Star Wars and Star Trek, those are also exceptions a little bit to the general rule of a movie because... The fan base for that is so there's a, a cult fan base for each of those Star Wars, Star Trek. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that you're going to have those followers are going to keep going and seeing those movies. I don't know if you're going to have that many for aliens that I mean, people like it, but I don't know if it's going to be, I mean, there, there's, there's a cult following for it. I, I don't there think it's as big as that. I don't know if it's the same numbers that would guarantee right. money they spend making that movie is going to come back to them. Right. No, I don't think you have as many fans as you do for something like a star Wars or a star Trek, but you do definitely have that cult following. And I don't know. I've just, I've read the, I mean, over the years they've had a ton of, comic book stories and and i look at that and i look at kind of what marvel's doing now and they're using a lot of their stories directly from the comics in these movies that they're bringing out and i've having read the aliens comic books and I, you know there's plenty of material here if they want to just go to the comic books and the books they've written and do some of that stuff use that for the movies then i i think you could keep it going for quite a while because they do you know each one of those has its own little twist on you know, the aliens are in this kind of a situation now, or in one of the comics, um, the aliens have um, arrived on Earth, and now Earth is overrun with the aliens. Or in another comic, um, somebody genetically engineers a rival uh, a rival hive, and so you've got two queens fighting each other with some humans trapped in the middle, and the, the two queens have their armies of aliens fighting each other. And, you know, so they've got some interesting twists on it, and I think you could continue to make some more movies with it. I just don't know if you can do that if you keep going back to the same human characters every time. If it's always going to be Ripley getting in this situation, or if it's always going to be Hicks or Newt, or if they're going to keep bringing those back. And again, I'm I'm saying this, I have no problem with them bringing these characters back for Alien 5. I'm gonna My butt's going to be in the seat, and I'm going to be paying for a ticket when that movie comes out. I'm just kind of curious for the longevity of this stuff, at which point do you say, okay... Let's cut from the characters we've got now. Because a lot of people, after the last Terminator movie, they're saying, okay, cut it out with the Connor family. We don't want to see the Connors anymore. You've killed that story to death. Let's move on to something else. Let's see other people. There's got to be other people that are important in the future, not just this family. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I wonder if, for the Alien movies to move forward, does this next one, is this next one like the Force Awakens of Aliens movies? Do you use it? to bring back Ripley and Hicks and Newt and then have them be the old cast when then you introduce some new people. Right. I think that could work. I think that'd be a, a good way to, to, if not revitalize the franchise, um, find a way to wrap it up nicely yeah. as opposed to what you've said about three and then definitely four. Yeah, and I think that's probably the way a lot of people feel, too, is they, they kind of feel like, you know, the people who loved Alien and Aliens, I think, were kind of, were very upset about the way the whole thing ended with Alien 3 and then Alien Resurrection. So I think you're right. I think this would be, people want to see it either wrapped up or have this be a new beginning for the franchise. And I, I like the fact that when they said Neil Blomkamp was the one that was going to be directing it, I got excited about that. Cause I like his style. I think his style would fit really well with an alien mm-hmm. movie. Um, did you, I think I've asked this before. Have you guys seen district nine? Yeah. I love district nine. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I really like that one. So I think, you know, I think his whole style would fit really well. That? What's that? Has Pat seen district nine? Yeah. I've seen okay. it. Definitely. Yeah. That was, uh, yeah, I, that that's a whole other great movie too. I think where you just totally, again, spoiler alert, but turn on like how it turns your emotions around, and and that movie is just phenomenal for me. Like 
who you side with and when you switch and you don't know when you switched exactly. And, but all of a sudden you have a strong anger for one and then you all have a strong anger for the other. And it just, I think it's, I think it's a genius movie. Yeah. All right. So here's my last question. Cause we are, we're running a little bit late and want to wrap it up. So here's my last question in alien and aliens. Um, we only ever see the aliens, uh, the, the face huggers, which, by the way, my friend that had the alien and the predator drawn on his wall also had an, a life-size model of one of the face huggers, which to this day I still think is ridiculously creepy, creepy especially when you see it in life-size, and he threw it at me one time when I was at his house. Um, but <laughs> we only ever saw the face huggers latch on to humans and aliens pop out of humans. One of the kind of running things in the comic books and and in alien 3 and that was you know some people didn't like that part of alien 3 um was that in alien 3 a face hugger latches onto a dog uh, or if you see the um yeah. director's cut it was a i think it was a cow either way whether it's a dog or a cow the alien that bursts out is now running around on all fours unlike the aliens from the first two movies, which are running around a little bit more like humans on their you know, hind legs and doing the more human thing. So then kind of the running gag after Alien 3 was, well, wait a minute, then if these things latch on to whatever kind of animal or person, do they come out looking like that? So I think an Aliens versus Predator comic had an alien coming out looking like its face looked a little bit more like a Predator's face. And then some other yeah. comics have had them like doing all kinds of weird stuff with it. So here's my last kind of weird question. If an alien was going to burst out of some kind of animal, what kind of animal would you like to see an alien burst out of and look like? Ooh. I'm going to say it right now. Aliens versus Jurassic Park. Yeah, dinosaur. That Yeah, that'd be cool. Mm. I don't know if I have an answer for that. Okay. I don't know. That's kind of a weird question. Yeah. Maybe Dennis Matouche. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how many of you guys are, are gamers. I'm not a huge a huge gamer, but I remember that uh, there was an Alien versus Predator video game. Yeah, there was. You guys remember? You ever remember seeing that? And you could pick. You could either mm -hmm. be the Predator, you could be the Colonial Marine, or you could be the Alien. Yep. And it was funny because if you were the Predator, you had all of its weapons, and you could have the infrared vision and the whole thing. If you were the Colonial Marine, then you'd have like you know all the different weapons that, that the Marines would have and all that. But if you were the Alien, you started off as the facehugger. Yeah. And then. You were at you were at a disadvantage for the first half because when you were reversing someone you were small and you'd have to like hide and, and sneak around in like ventilator shafts and you your whole thing was you were trying to jump and claw onto uh, you know either the predator or the human and I, I and then and that was like the first half of the game and then like that guy would go down you'd burst out its chest and then suddenly you know you could go and like fight these guys or something but yeah that was kind of funny because you actually had to be the face hugger and go jump on some guy. I remember that. I, I played that game around about the same time the game for uh, RoboCop versus Terminator came out. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I used to play that one a lot, the Alien versus Predator one. Yeah. I always chose the Predator because it just seemed like you had more of an advantage with all the weapons. Yeah. Oh, I just dropped my cameras, uh, Jeff. Sorry. Um, I'm, they might not be ready for when your play performance happens. But anyway, um, <laughs> I don't think they're going to be fixed by then. Now, see, he just left. 
She got upset. The next scene is we're gonna see Jeff coming into the room and like just start pun- punching you. Actually, we're gonna see we're gonna see what's gonna happen is since Dennis since Dennis is trying to tease him about these Here's cameras, Jeff. we're actually gonna see Jeff's face burst out of Dennis's chest. <laughs> yeah, that's happened before. Oh man, I don't know. Would it be weird if it was bats or something? I don't know. That'd yeah, be that would be cool. Some or flying aliens. Bears. Well, see, then the problem, the problem we're getting into, then, is we're turning it into, like, Gremlins 2. Your problem is, then it's, then it's, then it's Gremlins 2. Cats. Well, yeah. Cat aliens. Cat aliens. (laughs) All right, I'm just going to... know is, what was, what was Vasquez's line? I don't need to know how, what they are. Do you just... Tell me where they are. What was the thing where she said, all I need to do is just to shoot Something them? Like, all I need to know is where they are. That's right. All I need to know is where they are, man. Man, Vasquez mm-hmm. was awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, she was awesome. Which is it's funny awesome. Which is funny because yeah. she's, if you listen to her in like the behind the scenes stuff, she is the exact opposite of Vasquez. Yeah. She's, she said she hates guns and she'd never fired one before. Um, she's very kind of mild mannered and meek. And so like to play Vasquez for her was a really big stretch. Yeah, I can imagine. But then it blew my mind. I didn't realize that all the different parts that I knew her from in other movies. Oh yeah. I didn't realize that was her. So that kind of, I thought that was kind of crazy once I realized. So where can you find us? If you want to get a hold of us, you can find us at, uh, 30podcast.com, that's probably one of the best places to go. That's our website. It's got all the different ways to get in touch with us, find all of our other episodes, um, give suggestions for movies. If you've got some great ideas for movies we haven't talked about yet, uh, we'll, we'll have a list up there. You know, I'll put up a list soon of the other movies we're planning on doing for 1986, but if you've got something that's maybe a little bit lesser well-known and you want to get that in there as a suggestion for us, uh, go over to our website. There's a form you can fill out to suggest movies. Otherwise, we're also 30podcast at gmail.com if you want to email us for some longer responses. At 30podcast, we put all kinds of uh, photos and uh, cover art and polls and other questions and just random stuff up there on Twitter. And we're also on Facebook, facebook.com slash 30podcast. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, we are next month we are moving into our sports movies. So uh, as of right now, this is going to be the order for these movies. We may have to you know, change some things up here and there um, as schedules permit. We're going to try to throw in Captain America Civil War in there sometime too. So um, we'll have to see when we can get that in there. So uh, coming up next week, we're going to be taking a look at the Gene Hackman basketball classic Hoosiers. And then after that, we're going to take a look at Karate, Karate Kid Part 2. Uh, we're also going to be taking a look at The Color of Money. And then uh, to finish off, it's not really a sports movie, but uh, we're going to be finishing it off with Captain America Civil War. So depending on how we can get those movies in there, we make sure we get out to see them and then uh, get Captain America in there too if we're able to. But that'll be for our month of May. And then if you're following along with us and you want to go check out, if you want to start looking for some of these movies now, because some of them are a little tougher to find, um, May is our sports movies. June is going to be comedy. We're going to be taking a look at Police Academy 3, Howard the Duck, Crocodile Dundee, and The Money Pit. Howard the Duck. I, yes. Hey, if we're going to we do are. Soul Man, we're doing Howard the Duck. So we are not afraid to scrape the bottom of the barrel of the uh, 1986 <laughs> movies here. That was a weird movie, man. They're even they're talking about doing a remake of Howard the Duck too. Of course they are. Yeah. I can't even check that out at the library, that movie. 
Well, if you can't, yeah, you can. I can't. Yeah. You can't physically do it. Oh, like you can't I physically pick do it. it up sometimes and I can't. Okay. I was going to say, cause I went to the library and I, as I was looking for some of these movies, I went to the library and I, I wasn't looking for Howard the Duck at the time, but I passed by the children's section. I was like, maybe I should look for a DVD for the kids. They had Howard the Duck in the children's section. Oh. And I picked it up and I took it to the front desk and I said, look, I'm not trying to be one of those people that comes to libraries and tells you how to shelve things and how to do things. This is not a kid's movie. And the lady looks at it. She's like, but it says it's rated PG. I'm like, it's not a children's movie. Yeah. This shouldn't be in the children's section. Well, it's rated PG. I said, well, okay, then go on to some website and read the plot synopsis of this movie. And then you tell me if it should be in the kid's section or not. I so. want to say that I I want to say that my we went as a family to go see this movie to see Howard the Duck. Like, I unless I'm like way off base, I thought it was like one of those that just my folks got the wrong idea. We all went and saw it, and then it was like, okay, we're all heading out. Like I I don't really even remember it other than that's awkward. Really that's like the time yeah. I went with my mom to see Ace Ventura too. Yeah, there's just certain movies you do not go with your family to see. My 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 folks took my sister to go see Step Brothers with them. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, my sister was like, I was, and I want to say she was in college at the time. She was home from college. She was like, let's go see Step Brothers, <laughs> and it was like she's like, oh my gosh. Hmm. You know, my folks didn't want to admit that they were laughing at it, and mm -hmm. she, yeah. <laughs> Everybody's just kind of like awkwardly looking at each other out of the corner of your eye. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Oh man. All righty. Well, that's going to do it for us this time. Like I said, uh, come on back next week. Uh, next Wednesday, we'll be back on our regular day. Um, and we are going to be taking a look at Hoosiers. So if you're following along with us, um, see if you can go grab that movie and watch it before we talk about it. Uh, we're going to be recording for that uh, this next Monday. Um, so if you've got any feedback for us, go to our website, send us an email, Twitter, whatever, and uh, let us know what you thought. But otherwise, we will be back here next Wednesday. When mm, can I say the day of the week? Can I say no. no? Can't. We're gonna be back here next Wednesday, Wednesday. If it wasn't spelled wrong, I'd be able to say it easier. Next Wednesday for the movie Hoosiers. Until then, cool. we love you, and we'll see you later. Good night, everybody. Bye. Bye bye.